Good morning, everyone, and welcome to a special edition of A Vision for You. Today is Sunday, March 29, 2020. My name's Leah M. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater and your moderator for this morning. The share ID numbers for Friday, March 27th are the following. For the 7 a.m. Eastern Big Book Study, 14,326. That's 14326. And for the 10 a.m. Eastern Big Book Study, 14,328. That's 14328. This morning, A Vision for You presents... What's behavior got to do with it? The big book's approach to step one and our twofold illness is what Dr. William Silkworth, the doctor who wrote the two letters found in the doctor's opinion, called the double whammy. Put simply, we have an abnormality of the body which means that once we start eating certain kinds of foods or indulging in certain food behaviors, we develop cravings which overpower us. And we have an abnormality of the mind. He called it a mental obsession, which means that even if we stop eating those foods or stop indulging in those behaviors, our mind persuades us that we can return to eating those foods and indulging in those behaviors. Thus, we can't stop once we start, and we can't stop from starting again. We are thus in a vicious cycle. OA members experience many different patterns of behaviors. These So-called symptoms and behaviors are as varied as our membership. Among them are obsession with body weight, starving or restriction, obsessive weighing of oneself, laxative or diuretic abuse, excessive exercise, bulimia, which is inducing vomiting after eating, chewing and spitting out food, and many others. The list goes on. Our behavior may vary, but we share a common bond. We are powerless over food, and our lives have become unmanageable. This common problem has led us to OA, to seek and find a common solution in the 12 steps and a relationship with power. Joining us to answer the question, what's behavior got to do with it, is Jen A., a recovered compulsive overeater from Colorado. Jen is devoted to our 12-step way of life and carrying this message of recovery to those who still suffer. And it's with great appreciation and pleasure that I welcome Jen A. to the line. Good morning, Jen. Good morning, Leah. Thank you so much. Um, thanks. Thank you for asking me um, to speak on this. And I feel like it's um, when you asked me a couple months ago, wow, has it really come up in a lot of discussions with fellows on the lines? And um, at the OA Big Bur- Birthday Party, I got to be a part of um, a panel of anorexic, bulimic, compulsive 
um, exercisers. And I just know that it's such a, a big thing um, that's, that I, I've, I've had more awareness in my life of. So I'm grateful that there's this topic today. Um, I'm, I'm pretty excited um, to be sharing on these lines. I just want to say and give a shout out to my Ebby Carey, who brought me to the lines of a vision for you. Um, you know, I was in a recovered state, but I didn't know it because I had never heard anybody say they were recovered until I got to the lines here on this um, meeting of Overeaters Anonymous. Um, but I thank God that um, her car overheated on the side of the road on that uh, trip to Estes Park that day. And that's when she shared with me the phone number to dial in. Um, and I've been dialing in ever since um, for the last few years. So um, I am Jen A. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater, anorexic and bulimic by the grace of God. And it chokes me up to say that because by the grace of God today, I don't restrict. I don't vomit. I don't compulsively exercise. I don't compulsively eat. Um, and I just know that is only from a power greater than myself. And so it chokes me up every time I go to qualify like this because I have to give credit where credit's due. Um, and that's to my higher power, whom I wish, who, who I'm gonna, I'm gonna continue to call God um, throughout this presentation because that's just the um, name for higher power for me. So, um, you know, I've qualified on the lines before, so if you want to hear the story of my compulsive overeating and, and how I got here, um, it's back in August, I think, of like 2018, maybe, um, so you can in, go to there and, and listen to more. Um, today, I'm going to share where um, I continued to go from there. Life was in session, and who was going to show up and be my teacher um, was the name of that talk, and today I've had so many teachers. Um, and so many awarenesses from my higher power, who has been one of my biggest teacher, um, that uh, studying um, this big book of Alcoholics Anonymous, living this way of life, and leaning into the power um, that awards me these freedoms every single day um, has grown me. And um, I'm just so grateful um, for the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. I used to call it the blue book because <laughs> I did that little blue book that everybody carried around. Um, I have one too. Um, mine's just a little more worn today. Um, I know that I'm living this way of life because uh, every single page in my big book is falling out. <laughs> I laugh because if you ever saw my big book, it's pretty colorful. Um, the pages are hanging on. My guys at FedEx, wanna, they want to recopy it onto paper that won't fall apart for me. They're so sweet to me. Um, but let's start off with um, my childhood. And, um, you know, I, I just – I remember as a kid um, – you know, I was always the um, chubby, chubby one. Um, that's how I started out, was just chubby. Um, and, you know, my sister said, skinny babies grow up fat. Fat babies grow up skinny. And guess what I was? I was the skinny baby growing up fat. <laughs> so that's, that's what my sister used to say to me. And I can hear her voice in the back of my head. And I know she was just taunting and antagonizing me, but... Um, in my bedroom, I had a huge, large wall on the back uh, wall. There, it was covered. It was covered with um, magazine images that I had torn out um, growing up. I don't remember when it started, maybe junior high, I'd probably say, maybe a little sixth grade. 
Um, they were images out of uh, magazines, glamour magazines, things and images that I thought were beautiful. And I pasted them. And I'm not kidding you, you could not see the wall. My dad didn't need to wallpaper my room because I had covered the entire back wall with these images. I was obsessed about wanting to look a certain way and wanting um, to be recognized for a certain image um, because you know, I wasn't recognized and I was that, um, you know, chubby, chubby girl. Um, I couldn't share clothes with my sister um, who was 18 months younger than me. Um, you know, I remember just always being the biggest kid in the soccer picture, the biggest uh, kid in the school class picture. And I was, I was a tall kid, you know, I'm five, seven now. Um, but I, I will tell you, I was not obese. Um, it was um, the delusions in my head that made me think that I had to look a certain way. And it's that thought process and thought pattern that if I looked like this, you would love me. Um, and I would, I would be popular. I would be part of the in crowd because that's what all the in crowd looked like, um, at least in my eyes. That was my, my, um, my perceptive lens. And, um, you know, as I, as I grew older, um, you know, I, I, wasn't, I wasn't the popular girl, um, and I went from here to there. Um, my weight always just kind of fluctuated. I was always basically kind of like the size 14 girl, and I'll just give you a heads up. My sister was a size 6, so that's what I always compared myself to. Um, and so I was always, um, you know, just, just trying to do whatever I could to be more like her because if I played soccer like her and did all these different things, then perhaps that would work. Um, I wasn't good at soccer, so I, I went to the swimming pool and started swimming. I don't know if you guys know a lot about swimmers, but, um, you know, I was able to keep off a whole lot of weight by swimming. You burn a ton of weight swimming, um, and I didn't know it. And um, so I continued to eat all through high school, and then when I got to college, I stopped swimming and started uh, eating dorm food and um, partying um, at fraternity parties um, and things like that. So the, you know, the weight became, um, it became to creep on. And um, I tell this story because I know today that there is a progressive nature of this disease. Um, I read that in Bill's story and I know that it's true in mine and I, I can see that. That's how I identify in. Um, you know, uh, by the time I got uh, to be an adult and got married, you know, the race was on to be thin again, right? Um, because I got to fit into a wedding dress. Man, was I skinny. Um, funny thing is, I weigh the same amount today as I did when I got married. So I kind of laugh at that because it's like, oh, my gosh, really, Jen? Um, again, it's my mind. It's it's this disease that centers in my mind. And, um, you know, I was that really skinny girl who fit into that beautiful dress. And um, as soon as I walked into the house and started making meals um, for my, my husband at the time and I, he was 6'5", and skinny as a rail, maybe, maybe, maybe 190 pounds. Um, he ate everything in sight. And so when he ate, I ate, and it gave me an excuse to eat. Um, he wasn't a binge buddy, I wouldn't say by any means, but he allowed the ability for me to cook and for me to eat. And I suddenly packed on the weight. And then when that became unacceptable to him, because he has two obese parents, um, I found myself back into the throes of dieting and exercise, dieting and exercise, dieting and exercise. Um, and, you know, I did that my whole married life for 14 years. 
and it was insane. Um, I ran my own business from my house. Um, I was a professional photographer. And so I would stay up until like two in the morning working on my computer, doing all this stuff, um, especially after I had my son five years into marriage. Um, and at that time I, I had, I hit my peak of 220 and I'm telling you 220 after I delivered and came home and he was like five, six months old, right? Like people went to the hospital, delivered a baby and left weight. Okay. So I left a little weight, but I picked it all back up when I went back home and started eating again. Right. And the things that started making me eat again were the stresses of having a business, having a baby, not knowing what to do, breastfeeding, the whole nine yards. I mean, I had a baby that projectile vomited across the room if, if he didn't get breastfed. And I hated breastfeeding, right? So it was a reality for me that this way of life was, was, was not good for me. And so all I did was sit up till 2 in the morning working and eating. And um, then I'd wake up the next morning and try and be a parent to an infant um, in a food coma. Um, and I didn't know I was a compulsive overeater. I'm going to tell you guys, that was at age 30. It wasn't until I was in my 40s um, until this got really bad. And, and here's the progression of the disease for me. Um, Life was unmanageable. I continued to eat. I continued to diet. I continued to do all these crazy things. Um, and I would try anything and everything to do it. In the meantime, you know, um, I'm serving God. I'm in the church. I'm working on women's ministry. I'm running vacation Bible school. I'm doing Bible study fellowship and community Bible study. And I'm singing I Love Jesus Loves Me songs to my kids in the car. And, and please, God, make all this go away. Why am I so fat? Why am I so miserable? Why is my life so out of control? Why is my husband the person that he is? Like, it, it was insanity, right? And I would journal. And I swear to you, I have like a dozen journals and I've kept them because I know there's value in them. Someday I'll go back and read them maybe. But um, I was just praying and asking God to just stop the insanity in my life because I was, I was, I just, I just wanted to die. Like, this is crazy. How can anyone live this way? And I'm living it attached, it attached to church and a belief and a Bible and believers. And it still wasn't working for me, right? I expected this God to be my bitch and give me whatever I wanted. That was my relationship with God at the time. Um, you know, and, and I will just say this, that it wasn't until um, the bottom of the box, I always say, fell out for me the first time. And that's when um, I just couldn't do it anymore. I couldn't do my ex-husband anymore. I couldn't do it. I We're on baby number two. Um, I bring my daughter home. Um, I, you know, I had a stillbirth in between two, the, the two kids. It was, that, was in, that was crazy. Um, you know, it was just one thing after another. And um, my, my, my result was, uh, my, my solution was always to go to the food, always to go to the food. Um, and, then, and then I finally said enough is enough and I filed for divorce. And, um, you know, after nine months, my ex-husband, my husband at the time says, will you reconcile with me? Can we try and put this back together? You know, we've done a beautiful thing. These kids, our families, I'm like, yeah, yeah, okay. So I tried to reconcile for nine months. I really thought I was putting my heart into it, but I had checked out. I think he had checked out too, if, if we're really honest about it. And, um, you know, 
and, and things got worse for me because I knew that, um, call it the divorce diet, <laughs> I had dieted a whole bunch, but that 220 pounds started falling off me because I found a new way and a new solution, and it wasn't food. It was a gym full of people, an MMA gym, and I used to go in there every single day, and I used to work out seven days a week. I would drag my kids there, bring your coloring books. There's a TV. You can watch TV. I mean, this place was the dumps. They did not even have toilet paper, right? Um, and it, we went in there, and we worked out for an hour, and I walked out of there red-faced and dripping with sweat. I had this um, thing that I put around my waist. It was a fat-burning belt. I don't know if anybody's ever tried them. I've never heard anybody talk about it on the lines, but I had the fat-burning belt because it would help me burn fat. Um, and this is when um, I started um, the insanity of of all these uh, GNC became my best friend. We have it's max muscle nutrition here, and I would start all these powders and shakes. And then I found this thing that became my best friend, and it was called a fat burner. And I put on this belt, and I took these magical pills, and I ran around like a crazy woman in this gym, lifting 45-pound plates over my head, doing squats, doing lunges. Um, and if that wasn't enough, then I would go and I would get on a treadmill for 45 minutes and do interval sprints and run and walk. And I did that incessantly seven days a week, seven days a week. And then that became so much, and all the people around me were thin. They were all in these bikini bodybuilding competitions that I thought, I can do that too, right? The idea came into my head. I, that's how I'm going to get thin, right? And so I proceeded to eat three stalks of asparagus, three ounces of tilapia, half a cup of rice. And if you all have a food plan, you know this is not a lot of food, right? I eat more today than I did when I ate back then. And I would have these protein shakes, whey isolate protein shakes in between every single meal that were loaded with raspberry and sweetener, not, not raspberry raspberries because you couldn't have that kind of fruit sugar. But I'm telling you like stevia and all these fake sugars, and that kept me going, right? I could still have that semi-sweet taste in my mouth. Um, and I did that, and I went from 190 pounds at that time down to 140 with 5% body fat. And that was, that was the insanity. And I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I wasn't a very nice person. Um, I don't know anybody that's really nice that eats like that. You know, when I'm not putting food into my body, I'm not very friendly is what I say, right? My kids always know, hey, mom, do you need to eat? They still say that to me. They, hey, mom, do you want to, do you want to have dinner? Is it late? <laughs> Are you getting grumpy with us? I'm like, yeah, yeah, I'm fixing dinner. Let's go. So I still, you know, that still can come up for me. But, um, but yeah, so that was the insanity for me. And I dieted down to nothing. And when I got on that stage, all spray tanned and wrinkled like a prone, um, you know, I still had the skin sagging from my stomach. Um, and here's what I'm going to tell you. I know I was a compulsive eater during that entire time because what would I do? Even though my trainer would make my meals for me, like I didn't even have to shop or cook people. He made all my meals. He showed up for me twice a day at the gym, seven days a week. I would still go out and cheat. Do you hear that word? I would cheat. Some people call it a cheat meal. I was cheating. 
it was, um, it's always this time of year, right, April. I was going in and I was getting these Cadbury eggs and they were filled with this yummy, gooey center. Swear to God, they'd make my teeth um, stand up on end because none of my teeth are myself from this disease. Everything is a filling in my mouth. Um, but they were so yummy and I would get five or six of them and I would sit in my car and I would unwrap them and eat them one after another, after another. And my, I would go to training and weigh out the next week and he'd be like, I don't understand. I can't, I don't understand why you're not down to 135 pounds this week. And I would be like, Oh, I don't know. I'm following your instructions. I lied to him. Right. As a, as an addict, I lie, cheat, steal, and manipulate, and I negotiated what I was going to do to get thin. I'm still negotiating, even though I'm 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 stick skinny now. Well, let me tell you, that didn't last for long. I went to Costa Rica the week after with my aunt and my cousin. I was eating chips and queso and drinking margaritas at the bar, and the next thing I know, I'm looking at myself on the beach, going, "Wow, I plumped out again!" Right? The weight comes right back on for a girl like me. And not that it only come on a little, it kept creeping up, 140, 150, 160, 170. Oh, crap, now what am I going to do? Diet pills, more exercise, right? And then I would continue to eat and continue to exercise. And I found some really, really, really cool methods in which I could do this. One was called fat freezing, okay? And I saw a billboard driving on the highway the other day, um, and they basically take you into this room, and they put these machines on you, and they, then they hold your fat, and they freeze it, and, and so then that fat's going to go away, right? Because I thought that fat's never going to go away. Maybe if I can just get it to go away, it won't come back. I know that's not true today, but I did that. Here's how insane, I want you to hear the insanity in this. I not only did it one time, I went back and did it again, and the girl's like, well, I can grab some on this side, and, and she would put it in the machine, and they'd still take your money. Trust me, thousands of dollars they'd take my money, and then you would sit in there, and you would watch a movie for a couple of hours, and you would have this button. It was called an emergency button there at the hospital, and you know what? If you wanted to, you could hold that button, and if you started to feel weary or if you felt like you were going to pass out, they want you to push that button because they'll come in and, and, and take care of you. Well, I got really wheezy one time, like totally dizzy, fate, I mean, like the TV screen in front of me in the movie, I don't know which one it was, it was spinning, and I didn't push the button, I'm like, nope, I'm going to make it through the session, I know I only have 30 more minutes, I paid my money, I'm going to do it, and I didn't push that button, I didn't push that button until the very last second, until I think my head was almost about to hit the, hit the, um, the uh, bed, because you had to sit up during this whole time on a chair and I pushed the button the lady came in and she's like are you okay are you okay I'm like yeah I just need a drink of water <laughs> right I didn't even tell her what was wrong I was like I think I just need a drink of water I was sweating profusely you see I'll go to any lengths to get skinny um, but that didn't that didn't work okay so that was just another method that I failed um, or that that failed me that I used that failed me um, so what did I continue to do? I saw these friends of mine on Facebook, and this girl was really skinny. And then I saw her in an ad for a weight loss center. And I thought, well, I've never been to a weight loss center. So I'm like, oh, I'll just make a, if, I'll just, you know, make a little appointment and see what happens. 
Oh, yeah, I was handing them my money again. And guess what? This time I can use my health savings benefits at work, my pre-tax dollars. I don't even have to have extra money. This is money that my work has given me. They even give it to me ahead of time. I don't even have to have the money. And I'm going to use it to do what's called HCG. And this is basically where I'm going to take B12 shots every single week and inject myself every single morning with pregnant women's urine and eat 500 to 1,000 calories every single day for 30 days and see how much weight I can lose. And it was another form of insanity, right? But I thought, I'm going to do it. And I walked in there, and she looked at me, I think, I mean, I was like 100 and maybe 160, 870 pounds. And she's like, okay, we can get you down, maybe 100, blah, blah, blah. And so, you know, I lost 25 pounds in 25 days at least. I had this chart at home, and I pulled it out yesterday when I was kind of like reviewing where God's taken me in this journey. And I would write down my weight, how much I weighed, what I ate, if I was good or bad. Do you hear that? My self-value and my self-worth is wrapped up in a diet, in my image, in my body size. That was that who I am is wrapped up in this. And so I continued to do that HCG. And I'd like to tell you guys that one time was enough. But it was one time in the spring, eat my way through the next few months, six months, and then do it again. And then the next year, six months later, I did it again. And that's the insanity. But it doesn't stop there, right? I was continuing to take laxatives. Why? Because I, I knew that anything I ate during that six-month time frame, right, I had tried them before, but I was going to try them with a vengeance now. Anything that I ate would come right through me. And how did I know that? Because I tried it. All you got to do is pick it up and try it, Right? That's what this program is all about, going out there and just trying everything until what? Till I'm out of ideas. And so I remember picking up those laxatives and going to the gym in between. And my best friend, she's five foot nine, platinum blonde. She's a triathlete. She's got a rock solid body. She's got a heart for God too. I just want to say that. And she was my trainer, and we would go in, and I just wanted to be thin like her, right? And I thought if I train with her, I'm going to be thin with her. Like her, I'm going to get the guys at the bar like she's going to get. I'm divorced now. Because we would go in, and I'm, I just walked behind her. With all the glory, I watched those guys gawk at her, buy her drinks. If they bought her drinks, they bought me drinks. I'm her best friend, right? Yeah. And so I would work out with her. <clears throat> so one night, we went out to a bar, and um, it was super fun. There was an 80s band playing. We had a really, really great time. And then the next morning, she's like, I'll meet you at the gym. Awesome. So we get up, we go to the gym. Um, and the next thing I know, it's like I woke up and I was in so much pain. And I'm like, I don't understand what the pain is. And I called her. I said, Jen, I'm, you know, I'm not feeling a little good today. And um, excuse me, let me just get a drink. <clears throat> and I said, I'm not feeling so great today. She's like, oh, come on, suck it up. Let's get to the gym. So we went to the gym. Every time I sat down, to do a machine, to do a squat, to do whatever. It hurts so bad. Um, I had hemorrhoids so bad from taking so much, so many laxatives, right? You think hemorrhoids, like I remember having babies and giving hemorrhoids because of pushing. Well, guess what? You can get hemorrhoids from diarrhea. Yes, I'm here to announce it on the lines of a vision for you. Beautiful, isn't it? 
and perhaps you've experienced it too. And yet I was in so much pain. I was out dancing at the 80s band the night before, drinking and hanging out with my friend, but I was not in that I could still get up and go to the gym with her. And I didn't just do part of the exercise. I did 45 minutes of cardio and an hour's worth of weights. And then after there, I left and I said, I don't know, I'm not feeling good. And she was my best friend. I could tell her everything I told her. And so I ended up going, not that day, no, 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 not that day, but the next day to urgent care, right? And I had to lay on my stomach. And this man, who was the physician's assistant, had to extract 10 hemorrhoids that day in the office because I was in so much pain. Now, if that's not bad enough, I had to call into work and tell my boss that I could not come in and that I was going to be sick. How many days? I don't know. All I could do was sit in a bath of hot water, a hot bathtub, two, three, four, five, six times a day, right? And if that wasn't bad enough and you would think that it wasn't, I went back to taking the laxatives again. And guess what? The same thing happened to me again. Insanity, repeating the same thing over and over again. The behavior over and over again. This time it wasn't such a small ordeal and it wasn't like I got to go to where? The urgent care. No, I had to be seen by my my PCP, and then she had to send me off to another doctor. And how do you explain this to your boss? And I work in a close-knit sales office with 10 people. We are literally best of friends, family, and on top of each other. And I walk in, and they're like, oh, we're so sorry to hear. I'm like, oh, my God, she told him I have hemorrhoids. Right? I'm like, oh, how embarrassing. And here I am. I'm skinny as all get out, right? I'm a, I'm down to 150 pounds. I'm thin right now for me. Like I, I and and I'm still I'm like mortified because of my behavior now, right? So I had to check out and I had to have a um a, a procedure that they did in the office. The doctor did it, but they have to completely numb you up. They remove them and then guess what? Five more days I was at home sitting in hot water three to four times a day. I'd like to say that convinced me, but it didn't, right? I would only take them in small increments. And I found other ways to, to, to release myself of the food. I work at a retirement community, and people are sugar-free there. And so we have this, um, this uh, marketplace. I was telling this to a fellow on the line yesterday. Um, and they have these. I, I, I wanted that sweet taste, and I know, you know, I'm, I'm not going to eat the sugar. I'm not going to eat the sugar. This was still before OA. And I thought, I'm not going to eat the sugar. So I'd go in and get these sugar-free Werther's Originals candies. It's the same wrapping, the same thing. There's just no sugar in them. Alcohol, sugar, Zorbitol, Xyrotol, you look up. There's 57 names for sugar people. So it's hidden in everything, right? And I would eat them. And they were so good. Just like those Cadbury eggs, I'd unwrap one at my desk. I'd throw the wrapper in the trash. Nobody saw me. I'd unwrap the next one. I'd throw it in the trash. Nobody saw me. Oh, my gosh. Let me tell you, when you eat an entire package of Werther's Original sugar-free candy, it gives you the same effect as the laxatives. I will find anything. I will find anything, right? That's the insanity in my life. Um, Now, by the time I got to Overeaters Anonymous, um, it progressed even worse. 
Um, I'm not going to say, I'm, I'm not going to tell you, I'd be lying if I did, that I always threw up. I didn't. Um, I know the name of the toilet in, in the house. It's called American Standard. Why? Because when I'm throwing up over it, that's, that's what I read. I owned more Oral-B toothbrushes than I'd like to admit in my purse, in my glove box. There's not one there today. Thank you, God. Um, but that was how, if I couldn't get my finger down, I would definitely um, throw a toothbrush down my throat. <clears throat> that, w- that was my last-ditch effort um, in-, in this way of life because I knew that I would chew it up. And Leah said it this morning, and it just made me, like, cringe, but yet smile. I would chew up the food. I'd spit out in the trash can. I'd, I would just get the, I would get the, mm, oh, it tastes so good, right? And then, okay, I've had enough. Spit it out. Don't swallow it because if you swallow it, you're going to have to throw it back up. I did that. Maybe you did too, right? And the reality is, is it got really bad. Um, and then I came to these rooms. Um, and I'll tell you why I came here. You know, I've learned it in, in, in this um, program that my disease is permanent. I'm always going to have the obsession of the mind. I'm always going to have this allergy to my alcoholic substances um, and, and to the foods and the behaviors, right? I'm always going to have that. Um, and uh, I, I know that that's not going to go away. It's progressive. You've heard it. That's my story just around the behaviors, and it's just some of them. Um, it gets worse over time. And um, it's fatal. And how do I know this? Um, I didn't die. I'm, I'm sitting here talking to you. Um, I know it's, it, it's, it's fatal because my best friend was found dead on her floor two years before I came to this program. She was beautiful, blonde hair, 5'9", not the same um, workout partner, by the way. Um, but 5'9", beautiful blonde hair, 87 pounds dripping wet, her, her corpse. And I'm just going to say it that way because that's what it was. It was bones with skin was found on her on her floor she died her heart stopped she had the biggest heart in the world she died from this disease do you think that was enough to give me a wake-up call nope wasn't wasn't enough to give me a wake-up call in fact I continued for two more years until one day you know I and, and I've said this before, and I'll say it again. I was on Facebook, and, and my friend from high school, he, he, he owns um, and runs and operates uh, five sober houses here in Colorado. He told his story about he was drug-free and alcohol-free, and I saw the before and after pictures, and I read his entire, like, qualification on Facebook, and I texted him. I said, that's great. I have a problem with food. Help me. And he said, Google OA. And that became my Googling career. <laughs> OA, Overeaters Anonymous. And I just thought I was a compulsive overeater because that's what I read, right? Refraining from compulsive foods and compulsive food behaviors is what we say, right? And so I came to these rooms and I raised my hand and I said, I'm a compulsive overeater. And I was anorexic, skinny, throwing up, binging and purging, taking laxatives, compulsively working out, and everyone around me said, okay, and they accepted me for who I was. And my, my compulsive overeating story matched theirs. There wasn't anybody in the rooms, though, that was um, anorexic like me. There wasn't anyone who was skinny except for the man who sponsored me, who was 389 pounds, who is now 160 pounds, right? He was in a normal body size. 
And my other sponsor was in another normal body size. But nobody was as skinny as me. And so what did that, it, it awarded me what? It awarded me thinking, okay, however I'm eating and whatever I'm doing is okay. And so I sat in the rooms doing what I was doing, dieting with group support, going to meetings, and hear me say this, thinking I was abstinent. And I opened up my journal um, from the beginning of 2017 or 16. And on the piece of paper on the left, it says red light foods. There's none underneath. Like I couldn't even come up with a red light food. Today, they're alcoholic foods. They're black and white to me. I don't believe in stoplights. Um, there is no yellow food for me. It either is or it isn't. What's my choice to be? I'm going to eat it or I can't, right? Um, but yeah. So that's, that's the reality for me, um, is that I, I stayed skinny in these rooms doing what I was doing, dieting with group, this group support. Um, and here's what I'm going to tell you. I kept exercising until um, one morning I woke up and I couldn't move. And I finally got to the emergency room and I had been having problems and three bulging discs in my neck. And, and, and I was to be having surgery um, two days before Christmas. They were going to remove these discs and put in porcelain. And guess what the diagnosis is? No exercise for six months. Guess what happens to a girl who's still eating and can't work out? I'll tell you what happens. The scale goes up. Though I can hide it really well in the rooms of Overeaters Anonymous, it went up. So by that next year, I'm back into the clinic again, still going over Eaters Anonymous, injecting myself with HCG one more time. I got to get skinny. I can't do this. And I can't show my face in the rooms if I'm not. So I kept doing it. And I lied and I lied and I lied. Until in one of my journal entries I found yesterday that I sat on the couch. I didn't want to call anybody. All I wanted to do was eat. And I couldn't give in a rat's ass less who thought of me or, or, or what I look like anymore. I was like, I just want to eat and be happy, right? So that's, that was my dieting with group support when I got here. And, you know, I ask a lot of sponsees questions on the line. And when I talk to people on the line, with all the love and compassion, I just ask them, you know, what is your height today? What is your weight? And, well, what's healthy for you? And they go, well, this isn't healthy body weight for me. And I go, so what are you doing to stay there? These are the hard questions that I ask people. Are you engaging in, in, in behaviors that are, that are still haunting you? And why can I ask these? Because I've, 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 I've been there. I was doing it myself. You spot it. You got it, right? Um, I've had some really hard, tough discussions with people, right? Smoothies. I can't drink them. People, as, soon, as fast as they go down is as fast as they come back up. Um, you know, um, just, just a bunch of things I can't, can't do anymore. So I'll go back to the rooms and, and let you know that, um, <clears throat> you know, the compulsive overeating, after you're done with a round of HCG, guess what? You get to start eating again. And I wanted to eat again, but this time I knew I was done. And how did I know I was done? Because I went out on that one last final binge, and I went convenience store to convenience store to convenience store, the wrappers were in the front seat of my car, the vomits out the door of the other, and I, I was done. And in that back alleyway, which is my, one of my pl biggest places to surrender, bathrooms and back alleyways, I said to God, help me. I picked up the phone, and that's when that person um, said, go to a meeting. And then that's when I picked up the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous and heard the solution. 
Um, I'd like to say that I put everything down um, on my own. I didn't. You heard me. I had no choice. God did for me what I could not do for myself. The exercise was put down that way. Six months later into program, I got into a car accident, right? I just started biking. I like to road bike. I like to paddleboard. I like to run. I like to still lift weights and go to the gym and exercise, right? That was my thing. Um, Another six months, they said, no exercise. And here I am. At this point, I'm recovered. But God's just still telling me, you know, keep it minimal. And then after that car accident, I looked at my sponsor, because it's the committee of three I always go to. God my sponsor and me, that's the committee of three. And, and, and I got what? I got an exercise plan, just like we have a food plan. Imagine that. And I'm going to work out. No more, no less. These are the days. I'm not going to de- negotiate around it, right, because I'm good at negotiating. And then I could stay well, and I could go on walks, and I could go to the gym and lift a few weights, right? But that wasn't, that wasn't for months and months and months after I had neutrality. And when does neutrality happen? I don't know. I wish I could tell you. I went back in my journal. It's not written in there. I didn't wake up one morning and write down, I'm neutral around food. I'm neutral around exercise. I'm neutral around this or that. No. The neutrality comes from working in this program and plugging into a power and accessing that power. That's what it tells me. Right? That's the main thesis line in this book that's been drilled into my head. Right? So, um, where do I want to go from here? I think, you know, um, <clears throat> I, I think I, I want to tell you guys that it wasn't until, so I came into program in 16. In 17 um, is when I finally um, put the food down and did the work in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous, like it's outlined. Um, and, um, at the end of 17, that's when, um, I really, really knew that, um, higher power had my back. I was working this and leaning into God and doing 10 steps and inventory and, um, started to work with others. Um, <clears throat> and I'll never forget the day, um, cause I, I write all these dates in my big book. I don't know if you guys do that, but I write, um, dates in the margin of my big book. That's one thing I do. Um, but I still, I still hadn't admitted that I was anorexic. That, that came, that came um, you know, once I got recovered. Um, I knew I was a compulsive overeater, but um, I didn't know I was anorexic. Like I said, there weren't any anorexic people. And that's why I, I give um, a lot of gratitude for this line of a vision for you, because that's where we can say, and it is still singleness of purpose, right? I am a compulsive overeater, anorexic, and bulimic. I'm not telling you that I have, you know, issues with my with the sugar or that I'm blah, blah, this or blah, blah, that. It's just those three things. Anorexia, bulimia, compulsive overeating. That's where I come to get recovered is in this room of Overeaters Anonymous. Um, and I'll never forget, I was going to a meeting up in Arvada with a bunch of girls um, that I met um, in the rooms who were also on the lines of vision for you. And um, <clears throat> I walk up uh, the walkway really slow and this girl looks at me and she said, hey, Tigger, where's your bounce? And I said, oh, my gosh. And I looked up for her as I walked up the stairs. And I said, do you know what? And she goes, what? I go, I started bawling. I said, I, I'm anorexic. And she looked at me and smiled with her biggest smile and her biggest grin and all the love and affection that she had for me since the day we met. Yeah, welcome home. And she grabbed me. Let's go in and go for the meeting. And I said, oh, my gosh. And so on page 57, this is what we read that day. 
I know for a fact because it's written in this big book. It says, what is this but a miracle of healing? That's the question. Yet his elements are simple. Circumstances made him willing to believe. He humbly offered himself to his maker, and then he knew. Even so, God has restored us all to our right minds. To this man, the revelation was sudden. Some of us who grow into it more slowly. But he has come to all who have honestly sought him. When we drew near to him, he disclosed himself to us. I truly know that this is a process. It's a journey. It happens. It's organic. It's not bibbidi-bobbidi. There's no pills. There's no potions. There's no pixie dust, right? It happens. And how does it happen? I let God in. I seek power. I get access to power. And then this miracle, miracle is what it tells me on this page of healing, can begin. Putting the food down was only a start. It's putting down the behaviors. And I'll never forget sitting in a meeting and my buddy, the truck driver, he comes in and haven't seen him in a while because he's been on the road. And he says, the definition of abstinence, I was like, he knows the definition of abstinence? I don't know that. Refraining from compulsive foods and compulsive food behaviors while working or maintaining a healthy body. I'm like, and he goes into this long, like, I'm like, how does he freaking know that by heart? And I'm like, how do I not know that by heart? So I started to look into it a little bit more. And I became more aware of my behaviors and the things that I had done. Now, I didn't, I didn't say, I'm going to put down the laxatives. I'm going to put down, you know, the exercise. I'm going to do this. It just stopped. Like, I didn't have the urge to do it anymore. When I said I was done, I was done. I was out of ideas, right? So I was done. I put those things down and I moved on. And it happened slowly for me. It didn't happen overnight. And so I think what a gift is it that when I talk to somebody today, I can say, this is my experience. I pray that you don't have to suffer as long as I did. And you have to have as much as experience as I did. I'll share my experience with you, but then you have to go out and have your own, right? So, you know, I also like to go um, to, to, the, to the first part of the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. I know we say it's the first 164 pages, but don't leave the doctor's opinion out, right? Just because it has Roman numerals, it used to be page one. Um, now it's XXV. And in the doctor's opinion, right, this is, this is the best part. This is where I come to self-diagnose, right? I had to keep coming back to the doctor's opinion, and I had to keep reading this around those behaviors, right? And I knew on that first page, right, that Bill, he went from hopeless to recovered in one paragraph. And how did he do it? He, the 12 steps, right? He went through the process. He put, did the action. He committed his life over to God and said, I'm willing for you to have all of me, good and bad, right? And then what? He recovered and took the message to other people. But that's not even the best part of this page. The second to last uh, paragraph reads, I personally know scores of cases who were the type with whom other methods had failed completely. Now, I knew that compulsive overeating failed me completely. But what were the other methods that failed me completely? If you know me and you've called to talk to me and we've read this page, you know that we read to the bottom of that line and we stop. We don't go further. Because why? Because I have to list all the methods that had failed me completely. Those, my friends, that I found out were my behaviors. 
it's not just the food. It's also my behaviors, right? Yeah, it was compulsive overeatings. It was laxatives. It was purging. God, I have like 60 written here. Um, it was other things that failed me. Doctor, psychologist, um, the grapefruit diet, um, the apple diet. Ooh, that was a good one. Now that will definitely clear you out. Um, health coaches, Weight Watchers, Allergy Testing, right? Acupuncture, um, Compulsive Exercising, Paleo, Micronutrient Diets, Keto Diets, you know? What are the things that failed me completely? And I ask people and I say, okay, great, you know, blah, blah, blah. What are the things that failed you completely? Write them down. Call me back and let me know. Let me know if you're out of ideas. And then after we're done reading about that and, and we've figured out that those ideas are, they're out of my head and I'm done, or at least I think I'm done. Like I said, I, I thought I was done with the food, but I wasn't. I was still going back and getting more, getting more, keeping my weight off me, myself and I, I was doing that. Then the physician is going to tell me and I'm going to get diagnosed. And I thought to myself, thank you, God, for a diagnosis. I was always going to doctors, and I was always trying to figure out what was wrong with me. But here's my diagnosis, right? I'm diagnosed that I have an allergy of the body and a twist of the mind. And the allergy of the body is when I ingest certain substances, I want more. And I can't stop from eating those substances. And sometimes it's not just one substance that will lead me to the next. Okay? Well, if I put down those substances, what am I now going to seek an effect from? And that's what I had to ask myself about the behaviors, right? Because it tells me in here that I am going to seek an effect, right? That's, that's, that's why I do what I do. I'm seeking an effect. It says on XXV, III, in the doctor's opinion at the bottom, the last paragraph, uh, men and women compulsively eat, compulsively exercise, vomit, take laxatives, whatever, because they like the effect produced by what they're doing. Read it like that, right? I like the effect. The food gave me an effect for a little bit. My friend says it's eight seconds of pleasure when you stick that food in your mouth. Guess what? The gym gives me 45 minutes, maybe two hours, seven days a week. <clears throat> and if that's not good enough, I leave feeling shaky and weak and my muscles hurt the next day when I wake up. I'm still getting an effect from it, right? The sensation is so elusive, right, that while they admit it is injurious, it's causing harm or injury to me, right? I cannot, after a time, differentiate the true from the false. I can't see that what I'm doing is hurting me. The food hurts me. The pills hurt me. You know, I, I read a warning label on those pills that I was taking, those fat burners. They tell you to take them for 30 days. Can I tell you I took them for nine and a half months? And then I'd stop for a little while, and then I would put weight on, and I'd start taking them again. And it would rev me up. And people in the, and my, couldn't understand why I never drank coffee at church. I didn't need coffee. I was high off the caffeine and the drugs and the fat burners, right? I never drank soda, coffee, you name it. I didn't need it. I didn't need it. My body was revved up enough as it is. And if you know me, I'm a pretty energetic person. I don't need a whole lot. To them, 
their li- alcoholic life seems to be the only normal one, right? My gym life seems to be the only normal thing. They are restless, irritable, and discontent unless they can gain experience. The sense of ease and comfort that I get, which comes at once by doing what? Working out for another hour. Binging and restricting again. Buying another bottle of laxatives. Sticking myself with another needle full of HCG. Right? So that's what it is for me. I do it over and over again. It's the cycle, right? And I desire it again and again and again. And I know the phenomenon of craving is is somewhat limited to the food, but I'm telling you, I can seek an effect from anything. I can seek an effect from sticking myself with a needle. It's sick. I know it is. But that's my reality. Popping pills one after another after another until I'm sitting on a toilet five times a day and and I'm bleeding into the toilet practically, killing myself, right? And let me tell you what it says. Read, read a little bit further down. This is going to happen over and over again, right? It tells me here, I'm going to pass through, these, through the stages of going to the gym, doing what I'm doing with these behaviors, emerging remorseful, which I mean... I would hurt for a few days after the gym, and I would say, oh, I'm never going to do that again. Now, with the laxatives and the hemorrhoids and the HD, like I said, I'm never going to do it again. I'm only going to come here once. Well, of course I'm only going to come to that, 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 that clinic once because i got to go to a different clinic the next time and then a different clinic the next time. i got four different clinics here, people. They all know me. Four different people, four different times, right? Once a psychic change, oh, it says right here, sorry, I skipped. If this is repeated over and over, and unless this person can experience what? An entire, entire psychic change. What is a psychic change? It's a spiritual awakening. It's a personality change sufficient to drive out the forces. The forces of what? Doing these insane things over and over again. There is very little hope of their recovery. I never read that. I never knew that I had to have a psychic change. I never even knew that I had to do the 12 steps. I just thought I had to sit in a room. I thought I could listen to meetings. I thought I could take notes to podcasts. No, I had to take action. And he says, once a psychic change has occurred, the very same person who seemed doomed, that would be me, who has so many problems that I despaired of ever solving them, suddenly finds himself easy to control his desire for the gym, for the food, for the vomiting. And the only effort necessary was that I did what? I followed a few simple rules. And I continue to follow those rules. I continue to to do this work. I continue to suit up. I continue to show up. I get up at 4 o'clock in the morning. I say my third step prayer, my seventh step prayer. I get out of bed. I take a shower, I lay down, I pray and I meditate and I ask and invite God into my day and I access that power. And not only do I do it in the morning, I do it all day long because I am so good at tripping over the power cord and pulling it out of the wall and and getting away from God, right? I'm taking personal inventory, right? I'm watching for these things, right? I'm watching for selfishness, dishonesty, resentment, and fear. 
I'm asking God. How many times does it tell you to ask God? Find out. Do the work. Google it. 164 and more it. Find out how many times does it ask God. God wants you to ask him. He, I want you to ask to remove these defects of character. He, he, need, he wants you to need him. I need him every day, every minute of every day. I discuss him with people. I, I have a tribe of people. There's a vibe in my tribe that I know that any time, any day, I can call someone and they're going to pick up the phone. And they're going to walk me through my fear. They're going to walk me through my resentments. And God's going to get me on the other side, not the person on the phone. Right? And then I turn my thoughts and directions to others I can help. And I do this on a daily basis. Right? The altruistic movement. I go out. And I give this away for fun and for free with no expectation in return. You call me. I put your name in my phone. You call me back again. Great. You don't. I'm still sane. I'm still sober. I'm still grateful. But there isn't anything I wouldn't do for anyone. There isn't any call I wouldn't take. So... You know, I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm grateful that, um, that I've been given the opportunity to just share a little bit about uh, my experience, strength, and hope um, around um, these behaviors. You know, and, and, and like it says, um, abstinence is the action of refraining from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors. Don't leave the behaviors out. Because I think we're hiding in the rooms of Overeaters Anonymous on these phone lines. Right? And in the rooms I hid, in a skinny body, everybody thought I was well. Getting that one shiny coin after another, after another. And it says, while working towards or maintaining a healthy body weight, working towards means I'm taking actions, I'm working with a sponsor, I'm doing these steps. And for some of us, we have to work towards it a little bit more. Why? Because we came here a little bit heavier or a little bit underweight. And then I maintain this weight. Not crazy, not going back to how I used to do it, but how I continue to do it. I want to tell you I'm the same size body weight today as when I put down the food, and that's healthy for me. The same, the same size weight. And the very first sponsor I had when I first started, she said, write down your ideal body weight. And I wrote it in the front of my big book, 140 pounds. I'm 143, I think. I'm not so obsessed about the scale anymore. There were times about that. I didn't talk about the scale today. You know what? That's, that's for you and your sponsor to discern with God's help and God's grace. Some people need to be weighed. Some people don't. Ask God. Ask your sponsor, and, and your sponsor will hopefully give you good direction on that. And let's just remember that a plan of eating is one, in the, one of the ways in which an individual, an OA member, chooses to be abstinent. Your food plan would kill me. Mine would kill you. I'll never forget the lady who, who texted me and wanted to know what my food plan was. And then she emailed me, what's your food plan? I don't, I mean, I can give it to you, but it's not going to get you well. Or I can pick up the doctor's opinion with you. You can put down the food and the behaviors and we can, we can try it that way, right? So... Yeah, so just remember that that's, that's Overeaters Anonymous. You can find that um, definition that I just read. It's on the OA website. Um, it's super-duper handy and helpful. Um, you know, I, I thank God for, for my journey. Um, you know, it's, it's so interesting. Here, I get choked up again. Um, 
it's it's always this time of year. It's almost April for me, and I think that's so cool because um, it's always kind of around Easter and and the resurrection and 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 believe me, I am I'm so I'm such a big book thumper and not a Bible beater anymore. <laughs> um, it's kind of funny. My son says I'm pretty spiritual these days, um, but I'm so grateful for this journey. And guess what? It's not over. Like I read in We Agnostics, you know, just a, a few minutes ago, you know, when we draw near to him, he's going to disclose himself to us more and more. You know, this rearrangement that's going on inside of me. I started and when I came here, my heart was hardened. It had concrete all over it and it was wrapped and coiled in barbed wire, right? And in this process, my higher power through doing this work has cut away the barbed wire. He's cracking and chiseling away at all that concrete. And the most beautiful, brilliant, vibrant heart can beat today. Right? There's, I, I, I can't even tell you. I'm so full of gratitude and love and compassion for, for life and for other people today. I'm thankful that God gave me that in my 40s. Right? I'm thankful today. I don't, I don't regret the past. As I sit here in my car talking to all of you, the rearview mirror, people, is small. Yes, I've got to see behind me because I've got to know where I came from. But the windshield that I look through today is so large and magnificent and big and wide, right? And why? And, 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 and it's just it's beautiful because now I can see things. Right? I see the blue sky in front of me and the Colorado Rocky Mountains and the trees where the buds are coming out and the green that's starting to pop up and the grass. I never saw that before. I see the good in people. I always I do my best to assume good intent with everyone. Right? This way of life is magnificent. It's wonderful. And I do it without food. I do it without crazy regimen of exercise. No more laxatives, no more hemorrhoids, no more vomiting, none of that, right? And my daughter says to me, hey, mom, do you think during this time you're going to have to break your abstinence if they run out of food in the United States of America? I said, no, God's got this. God's got this. And I stand on that 100%. I know he's got me. I know he's got this life. God's got this. That's one thing that my sponsor drilled into me. He has got your back. I no longer have to wear a backpack full of rocks that are going to take me down and drown me. Right? I'm, I have the lightest load. I can skip and whistle. Right? And the tune is beautiful. Because why? Because I have access to power greater than myself that has restored me to sanity. And with that, I'll pass. Thanks, Leah. Thank you so much, Jen, for sharing your personal experience with all of us today. Thanks for your inspiring presentation this morning. Share ID for Jen's presentation, 14,335. That's one, four, three, three, five. 
Jen's contact information will be given at the conclusion of this recording, so you'll need to stay tuned for that. We will now transition to question and answers. You can pose a question by pressing star 1 to unmute. Please give me your first name as well as the first letter of your last name. Ginger Franny K. Loretta H. Franny K. Elizabeth D. Elizabeth D. Ilana P. Loretta H. Amelia O. Elizabeth D. Sam. Elizabeth D. Sam S. Ilana P. Ilana P. Jody E. Kathy G. Jody. Sam S. Sam S. Gotcha, Sam. There's someone I missed. Jenny L. Jenny L. Kathy G. Kathy G. Amelia O. Miria O, is that correct? Amelia. Amelia. Marilyn C. And Marilyn C. That is a healthy list. Can I get the speaker's phone number? Did she say her phone number? Phone number will be given at the conclusion of the recording, so please stay tuned for that. Thank you for your understanding. This list contains Ginger C., Franny K., Loretta H., Elizabeth D., Alana P., Jody E., Sam S., I believe, Jenny L., Kathy G., Amira O., and Marilyn C. Please, everybody, mute, starting with Ginger C. with a question. Thank you, Ginger. Go ahead. Yeah, good morning, Leah. Thank you so much for your continued service. And good morning to you, sweet Jen A. This is Ginger C. Recovered Compulsive Overeater, and uh, that list is evident of the importance of this topic that you so beautifully highlighted this morning, so thank you. And um, I've heard about these behaviors, and I hear them over and over, and I'm just so grateful we're starting to give it a little attention because the book tells us clearly God is everything or God is nothing. And if I'm seeking these effects, I can get effects in many ways. It's just not the food. Um, so my question to you is obviously this entire abstinence is beginning, but how did the beginning also happen at the same time with your behaviors, the over-exercising, the laxative, all these things that you were doing? Um, did it all go down at once or was it a process? How did that unfold? Thanks. Yeah, thanks, Ginger. Um, thanks for the question. And, you know, I will say that it didn't happen all at once. Like I, like I talked about, um, you know, I put the food down um, and I, well, I thought I had put the food down and then the exercise got stopped for me um, while I was still eating little ingredients of my binge substances um, until I had a full-blown relapse. Um, so, you know, I, that's when I saw that um, that I had a problem uh, with the exercise at first. Why? Because I was still eating like I was eating without the exercise for six months after having neck surgery, and 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 the scale started to go up. And I thought, well, why is that? Right? I'm eating healthy. I'm in Overeaters Anonymous. Right? I'm abstinent. <clears throat> if that's what abstinent looks like, it looked for me like that. It was sloppy. I was eating a whole bunch of quote unquote um, alcoholic foods and ingredients. So, no, it, for me, it didn't happen, and, and that's why I love that verse, and that's why, you know, um, it, you know, that's why. It just, it, it's an organic process. I, I, I'm grateful to know today what I know is that, you know, your road's going to be a little bit easier if you're willing to be honest at the very beginning, but I wasn't honest from the beginning, and I kept seeking an effect from all those things and the laxatives and, and the injections and the, and the um, you know, and the exercise. So, um, you know, 
for some it comes quickly and some it comes slowly. I know that's kind of taken a little bit out of context, but I, I think everyone just has their, their own um, pathway. I hope, that, I hope that this talk will just bring light to that, to look at, at the behaviors, because I think we leave the behaviors out. We just look at the food, the food plan, the food plan, put the food down. And it's the behaviors that are killing some of us also. Thanks, Ginger. Thanks, Ginger C., for your question. Franny K., your turn. Good morning, and thank you, everyone, for your service. Um, and, Jen, I've always uh, enjoyed your shares, um, especially when you're walking in Colorado early in the morning. But my question is about body image, because unlike um, yourself in your 40s, I just turned 60 in January, and I still I, I am prayerfully trying to let go of thinking that I can have a 50-year-old body or a 45-year-old body, but I truly have a 60-year-old body, and along with that comes a little bit less energy. But um, I just uh, wanted to know if you have any uh, thoughts on body image, and I thank you. I'll pass. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, Franny. Um, good to hear you. Uh, you know, body dysmorphia is a disorder. I didn't talk a whole lot about that, but that's that mirror, right? I'm constantly examining myself in a mirror. I'm constantly examining myself to others. I talked about comparing myself to my sister. Um, I avoided social situations. Um, in fact, I became a photographer, get this, because I could be behind the camera instead of in front of it. Now, I will tell you, when I started to lose the weight, I became the selfie queen on Facebook. Um, and it's funny because this girl hated me. She's like, you posted another selfie. You know what I mean? But I was obsessed. I was obsessed that I was now thin. Um, here's what I'll tell you. My experience on body dysmorphia is this. Um, the same way that you take the obsession to eat, Take the obsession to, for, that, for that look to God, right? Um, I, did steps one, two, and, I did steps one, two, and three, or I did the 12 steps numerous times, but I'll never forget every time I've taken steps one, two, and three under, you know, for something else, whether it was the anorexia, whether it was the body dysmorphia, whether it was um, you know, X, Y, and Z, and being in a relationship. I write it down in my big book. Um, and what I will say is that I got I, I to do the work around it. I can't stop obsessing about my body image. God can take away that obsession, right? Am I going to let him, right? It's that surrendering to God again. And I go back through the steps again with my sponsor. Um, I don't go through the steps once a year. I go through the steps when I need to go through the steps, when it comes up for me. And, and so those are just the things. And then what I will tell you is just because I go through the steps and I get to step, you know, I do whatever it is, the amends, whatever I have to do, and I get to step 12, it doesn't mean it automatically goes away. It's a process. It just happens. I don't know when or how. But, like, I still look at myself in the mirror, and I was just joking last week with my sweetheart and said, I'm ready for a tummy tuck and a, and a boob job, just joking around, like, but not really, hello, because I had tons of excess weight on me not weight, skin, sorry, that's just sagging there. It's not pretty, people. But like I said, it's the rearview mirror. It's the reminder to me of what life used to be like. And is it important about what I look like in the mirror today? I've heard people say, cover your mirrors, do this, do that. No, do the steps around it. Do the work around it. What's my fear? What's my, you know, what are, what's, what's holding me back? God wants all of us. And I think sometimes for me that was he wanted all of me where the scale was concerned, where the mirrors were concerned. Um, I had to go through it multiple, multiple times. I hope that's helpful. 
Thank you, Franny. Very much so. Thank you. Thank you. Loretta H., your turn to pose a question. Good morning, Miss Jen. Um, Miraculous miracle you are. This is Loretta H., compulsive overeater anorexic. Grace with God's absence for today, and um, I share so much of your story, and I'm so grateful that you shared it, but it was very disturbing for me because I could see my past, you know, in full technicolor. And my question for you is, I too did not identify the anorexia until four years into my recovery, and I still find it, and I've been told that that is really where I get my effect. I, I really never gotten it from the food, but there is a, and, and if this is an outside issue, please stop me. But they have found at UNC where I live an actual gene that contributes to this behavior. And so I'm neutral, definitely neutral around the food. But the anorexia, when anything hits the fan. Loretta, with all due respect, that is an outside issue. Okay, okay, so, okay. So, anyway, thank you for your share. I will call you if I can, and we can maybe discuss it. Thanks, Loretta. You you know what, I'll just touch on this, if I may, um, because I hear your question. But thank you, Loretta. Um, We'll chat later offline. I appreciate you, and so glad that we've been able to connect. Loretta, if you want to press star one, your sweet birds oh, are yes, singing yeah. to you in the oh, background. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> Thank you. You're so beautiful. <laughs> She's like Snow White, I swear. Um, so, um, first of all, the miracle that that um, you hear on the line today, um, that is a miracle is God's handiwork. It's it's the work that He has done in my life, and I I just want to be clear about that. There's nothing that I that that I have done except for do the steps and 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 just surrender to all of this. Um, and then also, um, there's nothing that my sponsor did. My sponsor was 385 pounds. He is they he the, the men that sponsor me, the two men that sponsor me, they have no idea what it was to be anorexic. They just told me you just need to eat off the food plan every single day and log your calories into my fitness pal. And I was like, yes sir. Yes, sir. You know, but let's talk about a, a little bit about kind of what Loretta was saying is that that, that high and the effect um, that I seek from restricting. I think that's what she's talking about, right? There, there's a high and an effect that I seek from restricting, right? I might binge and I might eat and eat and eat and eat and eat. And then I will starve myself for 24, 48 hours. I sometimes will just eat. I went on this, 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 uh, this binge where I would binge, and then I'd eat one apple a day. I'd sit on my desk, and when I got to the point where I couldn't think or couldn't even focus anymore, I would eat an apple. And then I knew that would get me through the rest of the day, and I could at least get home, right? And I would drink a ton of water and flush the heck out of my system. So there is that component of restricting. Whether or not it's medical or not, that's not my problem. I, I know that I'm seeking an effect. That's what the doctor in the big book says to me, Dr. Silkworth, you know, I'm seeking an effect from doing what? Not eating. It gets me, a, gives me a high, you know? So with that, I'll pass. Thanks, Loretta. Excellent. Thank you, Loretta, for the question. Elizabeth D., your turn. Um, hi, Leah. Um, can I be heard? Yes. Um, thanks for your continued service, Leah. Um, Jen, um, what a terrific, I mean, it was just a great, 
to hear you. I'm wonderful to hear you. And um, I have a question for you. I um, I've not um, suffered from bulimia. I've tried um, in the midst of my, but so in effect, maybe that means I have suffered from bulimia. I just haven't been successful at it. Um, the my question is about um, this issue of seeking an effect. Um, and I want to ask you whether you have found in your journey um, that there are certain foods, and I'm not talking about the obvious um, trigger foods that are in your life. For me, they're flour, sugar, quantities, etc. So I'm not talking about the, the ones that are obvious red light foods. Um, but have there been foods, certain foods, um, that other, others consider abstinent that you've had to give up because they have, because in them you are seeking an effect? Um, or ways of preparing food uh, where you felt you were seeking an effect and you had to give them up? Um, I'd, I'd love to hear about that. And by the way, I love the way you heard it, uh, you, what you said about tripping over the power cord. Oh, man, can I relate? So I'm grateful um, for your share. Thanks, Elizabeth. You haven't. Thanks. Yeah, so I'll share my experience. My experience around the food is this. Food's going to be different for every single person, right? We self-diagnose different. We come in here differently. The food's different for every single person. Um, and so, you know, I'm, I'm just going to refrain from talking about specific ingredients and specific foods because I think that's, that's, a personal, that's a personal thing that you have to walk through with your sponsor. Um, <clears throat> but I will talk about seeking an effect from making things. How about that? I think that's a great one. Um, I used to buy a bag of Splenda at Costco every week. Once a week, I'd buy a bag. I don't know if you guys know how big they are, but it's like the same as like maybe like a cat food bag or like um, I don't know. I don't, I don't know how you would describe the size of it. Um, but I would make um, these uh, protein pancakes, and I would um, whip eggs up, really, really whip them up, and then I would put in tons of stevia, and I put in um, banana flavoring. I used to buy tons of banana flavoring at the store, um, and uh, then I would. I mean, is and then I put protein powder in there, and I would make. I mean, I would just do anything to seek an effect from food, but I have to remind myself this: I was still dieting, right? And like we talked about on the first page, am I out of ideas? It's a dieting. It's a way to still seek an effect, right? How sexy do I need to make my food? Here's how sexy my food is today, and my family will laugh with you. Um, my food today is so sexy that last night we made chicken, green beans and white rice. That's how sexy my food is. Now my family will add sauce and whatever they want to it, but chicken, green beans, and rice, that's how sexy my food is today. Food nourishes my body. Um, I don't seek an effect from it anymore. I'm not trying to make things up. I'm not trying to make glorious recipes, but I will tell you, and I still need to clean out my pantry, the top shelf on my pantry has all those wonderful ideas of how to make uh, um, food beautiful. So if I'm, still, if I'm still trying to make food something, I'm still like obsessed with the food, whether I'm looking at it, dreaming about it, cooking it, whatever. Like food for me is just nourishment to my body. So I hope that helps, Elizabeth. Thanks. Thank you, Elizabeth D. Alana P. Hi, Leah. Thanks for your service. And uh, Jen, yeah, great to hear you this morning. Um, 
So here's a question. I need to be on daily laxatives for um, a medical condition I have, um, but I can really easily abuse them. And um, I just sometimes go back and forth. I'm not clear how I can really, um, you know, keep that where I'm getting the help I need, but I'm not, I'm not overusing it. I'm, I don't know if you have any uh, comment that you could make on that. So um, thank you, Alana. I don't have any. Um, I don't have any experience around that. I would just say, you know, I go to my doctor for my doctor needs, and um, I go to my sponsor for my sponsor needs, um, and God for the rest. So pray and ask God um, for um, the intuition on how you should proceed. Go back to your doctor, um, and and that would just be my suggestion. I I really don't. I really don't have any more than that. Sorry. Thank you, Alana P. Jody E., your turn. Thank you so much. Thank you, Leah, for uh, asking Jen to talk on this topic, and thank you, Jen, so much for your story. My question is about the family before and afterward. Um, you know, we go through what we go through, and it, we're like a tornado roaring through the lives of others. How do we make amends to our family uh, and not get so caught up in recovery that it's, we're still basically absent? So that's my question. Thank you, Jen. Oh, thanks, Jody. <laughs> I love it. Family is so important to me, right? And um, my kids are numero uno. Um, especially like on the weekends right now um, I work during the week I'm an essential employee so I really don't see my kids at all and then on the weekends my kids have been staying with me um, and you know here's what I'll just tell you God God makes all things possible you know I I remember uh, doing the amends with my kids and, and they were young my kids are now um, my daughter's gonna be 13 my son just turned 18 um, so four years ago is when I did amends um, to both of them. My daughter was pretty young. Um, but you know what? Um, they, they see this way of life. They know I'm not the mommy monster anymore and that I'm not uh, batshit crazy running around the house and I'm not dragging them to gyms and I'm not doing all the crazy things I used to be doing that before. They do know that when a call comes in and I go to my room, they know that somebody needs to talk. Um, they know when mom's on her knees on the side of her bed that um, I'm, I'm sharing, I'm praying, I'm, I'm doing work. That's, th those are kind of just some things that my kids know about me today. Um, and, you know, my daughter will open up the door and she'll see me kneeling beside my bed. And I just wink at her and put my finger up like in just a minute or whatever. And then I go back out and I find her after that. Um, and I'm always, I'm always, you know, I'm always just just living this life. Like last night, um, you know, I've even I've even taken calls where my kids were in the car um, because I had a sponsee who was 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 losing it and had to talk to me. And I just asked my kids, "Can you put on your headphones and can mom take this call?" Because we were driving 45 minutes north or something. And um, I, I don't know. I mean, I think God just gives God gives the balance. I don't create the balance. God gives the balance. That's what's coming to me right now is that he gives me that balance when, um, 
you know, when I'm constantly seeking him and asking him for direction, how do I handle this? How do I show up? Where do I need to be? And now it becomes more effortless for me. I just know, right? And, and there's not, there's, there's, like this morning I said to the kids, hey, mom's going to take the car. I'm going to be God. I'll be back at 830. I'm going to go sit in the parking lot for my meeting. And, and they're like, but mom, you always do your meetings here. I said, I have to talk for an hour. And they're like, oh, okay. And I don't want to wake them and the dog and everybody else, right? So um, they were like, okay, thanks, mom. Have a great meeting tomorrow. <laughs> Good night, you know, and that's it. So I think, I think it's all good. And, and, and like I just said, it, these things will come to you. Um, and I always say, get on your knees and ask, you know, ask God, you know, am, am I, is there too much program, too much family, too much, you know, where is it? God will give you, God gives you the balance. I hope that helps. Thanks, Jody. That's beautiful. Thank you. Thank you, Jody. Sam S., your turn. Thank you, Leah, and thank you so much, Jenna. I feel like um, you were talking directly to me today. Um, my question is in regards to an exercise plan. You had mentioned that you have an exercise plan like a food plan, and um, it's recently come to my attention an exercise plan that would work well and is very uh, reasonable and mild, and uh, I guess I'm just a little fearful because that hasn't been a part of my recovery yet. I'm just wondering if you could just expand a little bit more on, you know, following an exercise plan while in recovery for the first time and, and what that was like for you. Thank you. Hi, Sam. Absolutely. I'd love to share that. Um, you know, um, my mind can go to an app. My mind can go to some video that I've seen or something on TV or something I've seen on the computer um, but where my where I always need to go first is to God, and I don't know where you are in the steps. Um, but as a recovered fellow, this is what I'll tell you: I did um, first and foremost. I, I I went to God, and I said, God, I'm ready to do some physical activity. And it wasn't just like all of a sudden I gotta 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 have it. No, it's just that, you know, I was like, okay, I stand at a desk all day. I I get maybe three thousand steps a day. That's it. Um, so, you know, I, I need to get some physical activity. Like I want to be outside breathing the air and, and I just want to move my body. So what I've always been taught is I go to the committee of three. Um, you know how there's the triangle in, in the program of recovery? Each, each point on that triangle for me represents um, a point is a, is a person. Um, well, God, <laughs> he's not really a person, but God, my sponsor, and myself. We're all a part of that triangle. Um, and I can't be without a sponsor, and I can't be without God. And so I take my ideas, and I go to God first, and I say, God, if it's your will for my life, um, you know, make it happen so that I, I can do some kind of physical activity physical activity. So then I go to my sponsor and I say, hey, I've been thinking. And he goes, great, your alcoholic mind is thinking or addict mind is thinking again. And I go, yes. And she goes, what is it? And I go, what? You know, I haven't exercised. I haven't worked out. And so what do you think about? And he says, okay. And then it's like the plan is designed for you. It's designed by someone else. Here's the hard part. I had to go and meet with this woman face to face. I had to tell her about my story with compulsive overeating, laxatives, restricting, binging, just what I told all of you. I laid it out to her in like 15 minutes. And I said, this is my behavior, my history. I'm in a 12-step recovery program. I just need something minimal. I'm not here to become a, a bikini body model again. I'm not here... Um, 
you know, to, it's, I'm not here to get ready for swimsuit season. I just want to be healthy. And um, so she wrote out this program for me, and I did it. It kicked my butt. I'm just going to say. <laughs> I was like, maybe it's too much. And I had, to, I had to keep trusting. I had to keep trusting. And the other thing is, is I was not allowed to get on the scale during that time. My sponsor made it very clear to me. He's like, one thing at a time. And he's like, it's going to be the workout plan. So I get on, I do the workout plan, and I'm not back on the scale again, right? Because that's, a, that's, 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 that's tricky. That's a slippery slope for a girl like me. Um, you know, I, I weigh maybe once every four weeks when my app comes up and says, hey, by the way, you need to weigh. And I'm like, eh, whatever. Like, I don't even care anymore. How great is that? Thank you, God. Um, but yeah, so then that's what I did is I followed that app. Uh, not the app, sorry, the application that she gave me. It was an app, but um, she goes, you're going to do X, Y, and Z. Here's your routine, morning, noon, night, da, da, da. And then that works for me. And here's what I'll tell you. Um, I don't still do that same exercise routine. I've come to the point where I have neutrality around it, and I don't even think I need to work out that much. So I do less today than I was doing over two years ago, right? And so now I go in, I walk on the treadmill maybe for 45 minutes, biceps, tries, eh, whatever, stretch, go home, stretch on the sofa, go for a three-mile walk the next day. It's just, it's easy, right? Here's the other thing I also have to remember. My sponsor says, if you're messing with your exercise plan, you better be talking to your nutritionist. Why? Because calories out equals calories in, in, out, in, out. I tell this to sponsees all the time, especially with what we're dealing with right now. You want to go out on a walk? Fine. You walk more than X, Y, and Z. You need to know your nutritionist will tell you what you need to compensate, how much more you need to be eating. Because that's where it becomes a slippery slope, too, is if I think I can go back to the gym or walk or exercise more, i got to make sure that I'm, I'm still seeking all the components that are put in place for me, right? The food plan is still there, but I have to make sure I'm still eating, too. So I hope that's helpful. That's kind of it in a nutshell. Thanks for your question, Sam. I'll pass. Thank you, Sam. Jenny L., your turn, star one to unmute. Good morning. This is Jenny L. Thank you so much for your talk. I really appreciate it. This is, I've been, I listen to Vision for You all the time, and this is my first time speaking live, and it's awesome. So, um, I just, my question is, I'm a recovered compulsive eater for over two years, and I still, everything's been listed of, like, cravings and wanting to eat more and wanting to eat things I shouldn't, um, but there's still one last piece left, and, it, and I know it's a warning sign that something isn't right and don't know what to do. Uh, basically, in between my meals, I'm kind of staring at the clock, like, is it time to eat yet? Is it, start, is it time to start prepping my food yet? Should I start cooking? Should I wait? Should I do it now? Am I hungry? Am I not hungry? Uh, I still have that obsession um, with when my next meal is. And it's not all the time. And when I'm busy, it doesn't happen. But, you know, obviously, we've all been home more. I'm home with my young children and not as busy as normal. And it's happening now. And uh, anyways, I just wanted to know if you have any experience with this or if you know anybody that has or any suggestions and by the way uh, I've talked to my sponsor and been praying um, about this and uh, I've gone through my food and and everything uh, with everyone to make sure that there's nothing that's triggering me and I've removed some more things and I can't think of anything else it is Um, so I'm, I'm willing and open to do anything so thank you so much. Thanks, Jenny, for your question. Um, you know, I don't, 
I, I don't have any cravings. Um, I'm not thinking about the next meal or preparing a meal. In fact, um, you know, I, I, I do believe that that's been lifted. I think that for me was part of um, uh, the awakening, and, and that's, that's just part of what happens um, as a result of doing these steps. And I'm not saying that you didn't do them. You didn't do them right or anything like that. Um, you know, my sponsor always says to me, he says, go back and look at the bedevilments. Um, ask yourself those nine questions of unmanageability and see where the unmanageability is. A lot of the times we just put too much emphasis on food and things like that. And it's all, it's, it, we're thinking about it and making, and making crap up in our heads. And, um, you know, and, and if that's the case, then, I mean, maybe I suggest go through the steps again. See if there's, you know, something you've missed or um, I, don't, I don't know what it's like, your connection with higher power. Um, but I do know it evolves, right? It happens over time. Um, so, like I said, there's no pills, there's no potions, um, there's no pixie dust in this program. It's a process, a process. And so, um, you know, I just have to keep plugging into God and gaining access of power through him. Um, and then eventually all these things start happening in my life. And like I said, I don't know when or how they happen, but they do. So, um, you know, if you have neutrality and, and, and the bedevilments aren't, you know, running rampant in your life, um, give it time. It takes time to cultivate a relationship with our creator. That's something that I know. Why? Because my, my relationship with my higher power and God today is totally different than it was when I started in 2016 and 2017 and 2018. Like it's a sequel, right? Every year is a sequel. It's a new sequel to the movie, a new chapter to the book. Um, that, and that's what I totally believe. Um, and sometimes we're just trying so hard. We're checking boxes. We're making sure we have all our food right. Um, surrender is, is not checking boxes. It's not doing all that. Surrender is this. It is that I have completely let go of, of anything out there, any outcome. I have let go of that tug-of-war rope, and I am just face down in the mud with my arms sprawled out, my feet back behind me, and I am saying, I am yours, God. Do with me and have with me whatever you want. I am yours, right? Um, so maybe just just dig down deep and 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 um, it, obviously God's giving you an awareness. You're interested in the food. How about being more interested in me? When you have food thoughts, turn to God instead. I don't know. I hope that's helpful. If not, um, I'd love to chat with you another time too. Thanks, Jenny. Thanks for your question, Kathy G. Your turn. Thanks, Leah. And oh. I love you. I've loved your flavor from the first time I heard you. And uh, my question is related to, you said that you didn't uh, have stoplights anymore. And I heard people say when I first came on about getting a list um, to get clean with food, you know, red light foods, green light foods, yellow light foods is what I did. And um, I've been abstinent for, from sugar for almost uh, three years, but I had a slip one day last July where I hadn't gotten as far in surrender with a few foods as I thought I had. And so I just wanted to know, is there a way that you guide new people toward making that list and how can we, or can we at all, accelerate somebody's process into recognizing and being willing to surrender all of the foods that could trigger us. Thanks. 
Hey, Kathy G. Good to hear your voice. Um, <clears throat> so <clears throat> I'll, I'll just preface it by saying this is that I can't do anything. <laughs> I can't I can't help somebody surrender faster or help them get to their alcoholic foods faster. And how do I know that? Because nobody could do it for me. Um, but there are, uh, you know, um, there are some suggestions that I think we can make as compulsive um recovered compulsive overeaters, recovered addicts from the food. Um, and that is just looking at all the food you eat. Like yesterday I was talking to a new gal that I'm sponsoring. And what I have um, sponsees do is I have them <clears throat> identify all the foods that they binged on. And um, I say, take a notebook and walk down, walk through the grocery store and linger on every aisle and start writing down every single thing. Well, we can't do that right now. So I said, take a virtual shopping trip pull up the shopping list. Think of all the stores in town um, that you ate at, everything you drank, everything you, what, and then I, and we do the same thing for behaviors. I think it's good to do that. I think it's good to go back and look at the past and review the past. Um, that's what our food log is for. That's what I have people do. And the reason is, is because I can't drum up what somebody else's food and food behaviors were. I wish I could. I wish I could. All I can do is share my experience, strength, and hope, and then, you know, maybe give them a few little exercise. Hey, this is what works for me. Maybe it worked for you and it'll help them um, discern more. But the deal is, is that the honesty piece is on them. They're the ones that have to get honest with themselves. Have I binged on bread? Can I eat bread? Have I binged on sugar? Can I eat sugar? Have I binged on things with salt and flour and fat and combinations of that's to each person. Again, it's self-diagnosis. So, again, I can't do anything, but hopefully God can use me um, in a way that I can give people some tools and tricks um, to just start writing down those foods, begin thinking about those foods, um, and, and give them more of a clear picture of what it is that they ate. Because that was never done for me. I'll, I'll just be totally honest. Like I told you, in my journal, the page is blank, and it says red light foods at the top, and there's nothing listed. And when I turned to that page, I literally laughed. I was like, okay, no wonder. I didn't even know what entire abstinence was. I never even knew it was abstinence. In my journal, you know what I wrote? I was clean today. <laughs> I think that's so funny. I was clean today. Um, so, you know, I hope that helps, Kathy. But just, I think just guiding them um, with your experience, strength, and hope and um, you know, asking them what they binged on, what they ate on, and then sharing what you ate. Sometimes I didn't even remember I ate certain things or behaved a certain way until I heard somebody else say it, right? So that's why we come in is to identify in and share our stories. So with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Kathy G. Amelia O, star one, ton mute. Hi, this is Amelia O. Oh, thank you so much, Jen, for your talk. I wanted to ask you, how has your conception of your higher power had to change? And what are some of the, let's say, ideological constructs or ideas that you had to let go of or change as you went down the 12-step journey? Thanks. Thank you, Amelia, for the question. Um, so, you know, uh, God for me, like I said, you know, as a pretty, as a pretty big follower of, uh, people in buildings, um, Bibles, 
um, in, in a belief system that, um, you know, you're only going to heaven if you pray this prayer. And I thought, oh, God, I got to pray this prayer and do this work. Like, my life depends on it. And so that's what I did is, is, is I served in the church for many years, um, 12 years to be exact. And I thought that's how I was, I was going to going to uh, be resurrected and that's how life was going to become good for me. Um, it wasn't until I came, I, I bottomed out and my divorce um, was driven away um, by my church. Um, uh, none of my friends or anyone talked to me again. So I felt like I was then abandoned by God. That's part of um, my story and my journey is that those 300 people that I sent Christmas cards to um, in the church never spoke to me again. Um, you know, maybe they'll comment once or twice on a Facebook post, but um, then I got tired of that. So I started deleting people left and right off of Facebook. Um, and, and, and here's what I'll tell you. Um, when I got into program, um, I did hear the word God. And at that time, I wasn't really going to church. I was just taking my kids. So my ex-husband would, would shut up about it because I got tired of him hearing or hearing him say, you know, you, you promised you'd raise these kids in God's house, blah, blah, blah. So I just went and I sat in the back of the church and listened um, and took my kids. But then when I came to the rooms of Overeaters Anonymous and I heard God in this and I heard God in that, I was like, huh. But then I heard higher power and then that was like blasphemy to me. I was like, who would call God higher power? And there's other words for God. No, there's only one God and there's only one way. And that's what was ingrained in my brain. And then, you know, as I continued to read um, this book and as I, as I read the chapters and began to hear that it's my own conception of God and I'm accessing power, um, you know, it, things changed for me. And I began to see, here's what I began to see. I began to see all of you. You were all doing it differently. You are Jewish. You are Muslim. You are Christian. You are Buddhist. You are an atheist or maybe an agnostic. But yet you're all sitting in this room and we agree upon one thing. We're all compulsive overeaters and we're out of ideas and we need a solution to stop us from doing the things that we're doing. And so I was like, okay. And I'll tell you, I put I, the, first, the first few months of program, I put my um, trust, my belief and everything into a human being um, because I thought, oh, this person can do it for me. Guess what? When that person leaves, your higher power is gone. So that's when I figured out, okay, I better find something else. And some guy goes, make it the exit sign. I heard that on a podcast. Just have belief, that exit sign. I'm like, the exit sign? A doorknob. People say stuff like that just because it doesn't matter. And so I started to say, okay. And then when I got desperate enough, when I was at the end of my rope and my toes were at the edge of the cliff and I said, I can't do this anymore. Something else bigger than me is out there. I know it is because I, I, I just know in my heart of hearts and I'm going to let that person. I jumped off the edge of that cliff. I just had to be willing to believe, right? And that willingness has cultivated into something totally beautiful today, right? It's now a relationship with higher power, with God. And I trust and I believe in it. And, oh, boy, if there's any ever doubt, I'm always going to God, going to God, going to God, especially when self doesn't work out too good. So it's a process for each one of us. Um, you know, but it wasn't until I stood um, in a room of 580-some people in Estes Park, Colorado, for uh, a Fellowship of the Spirit retreat for AA Al-Anon. And I stood there with 20-some 20, 20 other compulsive overeaters um, listening to the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous and hearing and experiencing and feeling the Fellowship of the Spirit. That's the name of the conference, FOTS, Fellowship of the Spirit.
the fellowship of the Spirit. God was running in and out of that room and through those people and on the pages of that book, uh, you know, through the pages of that book, the words popped out alive and, and the Spirit was everywhere. Call it the Spirit of God. I love that. Spirit of the universe. So, uh, you know, I think for each one of us, we have our own journey in finding that. But don't spend too much time looking. That's my suggestion to you. Don't spend too much time looking if that's what you're seeking because the looking is where I get lost. You know, I just got to let go and put my toes on the edge of the cliff and dive off. Like, I don't know what's at the bottom, but something's bigger than me. And I know it's going to catch me and it's not going to let me fall. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Amelia O, for your question. Our final question for this morning comes from Marilyn T. Star one to unmute, please, Marilyn. Hi. Thank you, Leah. Um, this is Marilyn T. in um, Grateful Com- uh, Recovered Compulsive Overeater in California. Hi, Jen. So good to hear you. Glad I got to have the last one question. Um, so my question is, in starting to sponsor people when, they're, when you're doing the alcohol binge food behavior and ingredients, you, do you go over it with them, right? They do it before you guys start reading the big book and you go over it, and then they agree to that. Could you give me a little bit of hints on that since I'm just starting to sponsor again? Thank you. Absolutely. Hey, Marilyn. Um, you know, uh, I, I, think it's a, I think it's a great idea. Um, I, I think it's a great idea, and it's a, I just make suggestions to people. Um, they can take it or leave it, but I say, you know, it, let's look at, even if, because most people have relapsed, so um, we look at, and, and I tell them why we're looking at the food, right? We go into the doctor's opinion, and I tell them, um, you know, on the bottom of XXVI, it tells me for the first time that I might be jittery and I might be defogged. And it tells me it's imperative, right? It's totally required and necessary. It's a command that I've been being given that my brain be cleared before I am approached. Because why? If my brain is cleared before I am approached, it tells me I have a better chance of understanding and accepting what this big book has to offer. So I, when I first started sponsoring people, my experience was I would just go straight into the actual opinion. I'd start reading, and I'm like, oh, my gosh. Like, they hadn't really put the food down. And it was obvious to me they were not retaining anything. And we go back over, and I don't remember, and we, like, review what we did the week. I'm like, oh, this is crazy. So it just became awareness to me that, you know, let's put the food down first. I mean, I think that would be helpful, right? Um, And I knew my experience. I didn't put the food down, Marilyn. I kept eating. I kept dieting with group support. What are we, are we reading with people and, and, and they're dieting while we're reading? I don't think that works either. So I think my instructions are very clear. It tells me three times in the doctor's opinion that I have to put down the food and I have to put down the behaviors, right? And if I do that, I'm going to hear with a clean and open mind, right? And perhaps something will sink in. So I think it's it's really imperative, and 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 it's on and it's it's on the on the sponsee, right? I give the assignment. I'm like, hey, I want you to um, write a food log. I want you to list all your alcoholic foods, and I want you to list all your behaviors. Call me when you're done. They call you back. Great, they're willing, right? They said yes, ma'am. They're doing the work, and then we go to the next thing, and then we go to the next thing, and then guess what? I leave the rest up to God, and we start reading, and I leave the rest up to God, right? And they're either going to eat on their food plan or they're not. They're either going to do the work or they're not. They're going to call me or they're not. But 
it's that those are just some suggestions and it's just um you know it's just what works for me today um because i've worked with multiple people and um not going over the food and not going over the behaviors for me didn't work because i felt like i was leading people blindly you know and then we're just reading and they couldn't they couldn't take in anything that they were hearing and i don't know so i feel like that's i that's part of the journey for me was 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 looking at those things and i wish someone had done that with me too so i'm i'm i do my due diligence to say hey if you want to start reading let's look at this first i hope that's helpful marilyn and i'm so glad to hear you say recovered thank you god thanks marilyn t for the question this morning thank you to everybody who posed questions for today could we do one last question we're going to wrap now but thank okay. you mhm Thank you, Jen, for this amazing presentation this morning. Thank you for your personal insights and experiences. It's been very, very helpful, I'm sure, to many. Today's Share ID, 14,335. That's 14335. We're going to close from page 164. You'll notice it's from a chapter entitled A Vision for You. Our book is meant to be suggestive only, we realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then. <laughs>